Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of San Antonio, the show of New Mexico festivals, Ron Cooper, the early days, California, mustaches on women. It is an amazingly robust conversation with the CEO of Tequila Aficionado Media, Mike Morales. He's currently in San Antonio, but the dude has been everywhere. And if you want to get deeply entrenched into the history, the social history of tequila, the main players, understanding how this narrative unfolded before our eyes, the early days of Don Julio, the early days of Jose Cuervo, this is exactly the conversation that will ramp you up and get you familiar with the current state of this industry. We talk about Sean Penn, El Chapo, Chinaco importing. Lots of different things, and I really appreciate this chat with Mike. It is a very sage-like conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Mike Morales. Really, Nicaragua at that point had been a dictatorship yeah. with the Somoza family. And really, you, you had to plan ahead to get a visa to uh-huh. get out of the country because you had to, you know, not everybody could get one. And even when you called back home, they were worried about the phones being tapped. Um, you could hear wow. clicking going on, whether it was a bad connection, bad AT&T. You don't know, yeah. We don't know. Um, so there was a lot of... Um, my father was a uh, a product of the depression. You know, he grew up in during the depression, yeah. born during that time, and so you know, you're first of all, you're born in the, during the depression, and you live in a third world country that's a dictatorship. dictatorship yeah. So wow. you're you my my father was very lucky because his father was a government uh, official, mm-hmm. so they tend to have a roof over their head and some you know a, a decent pension and and a and a job. Yeah. And so uh, my father was a dental technician. That means he he, yeah. he made false teeth. He made oh, re- no removable, kidding. Yeah. He made removable partials. What, what's the right word? Dental, uh, prosthesis. dental prosthesis. Prosthesis, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in those days, they didn't have crown and bridge, so it was all removable partials and, partials and dentures. Wow. And he learned from a master in Nicaragua. Uh, at the, he apprenticed, just mm. like any other trade. And um, they, wanted a, a, they wanted a better life for their son, so... My dad came to the United States. My mother had been here, all, had been in the States already. Oh, but they met in Nicaragua? But she, they, she they met in L.A., oh, believe Oh, they met in not. L.A.? Yeah, oh, they, that's incredible. The, the story goes, uh, mom tells a story that they lived blocks away from each other, uh-huh. but they never really met. Really? They never met each other in Managua. They yeah. lived in the, in the capital city. So um, and when they, they met through a, a mutual friend, um, my mom was living with her uncle and, and their family, and, and my father was living with his aunt, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, they were introduced from a mutual friend, uh, started dating, yeah. and I was born a year later after they were married. Isn't that crazy, though? That they, that 
you might cross the path of your future partner many times but you never know it you know what i mean is that crazy you never know it happens but it, so often too. yeah well you know if these two were meant for each other yeah they were they were meant you know like you say what are the odds yeah you know what are the odds that they, they sh that they wouldn't have met in nicaragua exactly right yeah and then i had to go to la to me yeah it's really funny because when they speak when i hear when i've heard them speak when my dad was still alive and, and i was growing up i'd hear them tell stories about when they were younger mm -hmm. and they knew some of the same people they knew some of that same that neighborhoods and and you know that but they were yeah. never you just know they, never a direct hit. Yeah, yeah it was never you know it was like two magnets it just you know they get you can get them really close and yeah just, you know just go the no, other just a little bit it's a, it's a, it's brilliant though that how close it's almost like how close it came to never happening you know what i mean you always think i always think yeah. about those kinds of things it's like if you didn't say if you didn't say this this one thing to this one person on this one date at exactly the right time the rest of your life would have a completely different tra trajectory. It it's it's that way. It's happened that way for me uh, yeah. almost throughout my life, especially getting into the tequila mm. situation. Um, like I said, I grew up in Southern California. Where were you? Uh, how was well, how was high school in uh, LA? Uh, I I you know that mom and dad um, they they sacrificed and sent my sister and myself to to a Catholic grammar school. Oh, interesting. So okay. I went to uh, St. John the Baptist in Baldwin Park, California, <laughs> east of Los Angeles. Um, that's man, yeah. Is that, was that a, that that a fun experience? I, I went to public school, so I don't I, really know. You know, not the way they broke it to me. Though. Yeah. that wasn't that wasn't fun <laughs> at all. Um, I it wasn't until I got to fourth grade and and was uh, I mean I had gone to. If, I'm not sure for those of you who are Catholic and or those of you who are yeah. Catholic impaired. Um, <laughs> we were sent to uh, uh, catechism, you know, on weekends. Uh -huh, we, okay, we, we were going to public schools. And um, in the fourth grade, mom and dad decided in their inimitable wisdom that mm. they were going to send me to Catholic school. Wow. Because they went to... They went oh, okay. To, Makes some yeah, sense. Yeah, they, they went to some of the best private schools. I mean, that was, that was a sign of, of prosperity for, yeah. for their, for, you know, for where they came from. Sure. And, 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 it, and generally speaking, you know, the, the Catholic schools had better education than public schools. And that was, that and was more a, focused, right? Cause you get some more one, there's smaller classes too, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, the class, well, I don't know about, you know, I guess it depends. Well, Catholics on the, do, they are busy. Well, yeah, it depends families. on the diocese also. Yeah. It depends on how many people are living in your neighborhood. Gotcha, you know, okay. uh, the, the larger the population, mm -hmm. the more you have people in class. But, um, we, my, my first experience with a nun and it was very scary because that's when I realized in the fourth grade that women could grow mustaches. Oh! After high school, graduated and went to college at Cal Poly Pomona because mm -hmm. I didn't want to go. I wanted to go Cal State LA, but they, for some reason, I guess they were too busy, you know, taking people from LA. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Pomona, uh, went five years, and I got a minor in English. Mm -hmm. Loved English. I could have been the next Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> All right, because is, is that good or bad? That's bad it now because he must die. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, he's, Nicholas Sparks must die. He's he's a sap. There's a you know, but overly the, but, sap. But he's you know he's making millions. Sure. And and if you've ever seen any of his movies, I have, yeah. okay. Well, I you know that they, they, there's never a happy ending. No. Somebody dies of leukemia. Somebody dies, you know, in a ship. Kevin yep. Costner never comes back. Yeah. You know that kind of Wait, stuff. Wait, that's Nicholas Sparks too. Yeah, the you Guardian didn't know that? is. Uh huh. Oh, that's a horrible movie. I watched it the other day. Yeah, I don't. What, it was it, actually okay until it got horrible. But the, you know, it's a formula. Yeah. You know, nobody was writing formulaic stuff, and then and then you know Stephen King just broke through yeah. with his with his formulas, and he was selling his books and 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 making movies out of it, and then everybody got into 
you know, that kind of writing. But at that point, I had already left college and um, and started working at a the health, health club. club. Yeah, what were you doing at the health club? I I was a health instructor. You know, Heather Locklear was the the, the spokeswoman. Oh, for, no kidding! Okay. for Holiday Spa. Yeah. Um, and that was at the time she was doing Dynasty and TJ mm-hmm. Hooker. She was a hot property. So, right, right. So, uh, matter of fact, I'm binge watching Dynasty now with, with Lisa. <laughs> Is it on Netflix? It, it's uh, it's on uh, Amazon. Amazon. Wow, man, I haven't seen Dynasty. I know. Well, you I was know, a we, little kid when it was on. We had binge watched Dallas. Yeah, hell yeah. And all even the terrible ninth season, which Ugh. was the one where the, the you, whole dream one, the whole dream yeah, season. That yeah. Sucked. Sorry to spoil awful. it. Was twenty years later, but yeah, that I know. season was a dream. Bobby, uh, no, a, you know that that whole scene yeah. is classic. Yeah, but so you know, once we g- went through that, and and Lisa, Lisa's a writer. Lisa, mm-hmm. Lisa Peach is our COO now, Tequila Aficionado, but she's also my girlfriend yeah. and and my significant other, and we live together. And she's a writer. She writes stuff like The Expendables. She's oh, nice. a woman. She spent time in the Air Force, and oh, so yeah. the two of us now we dissect. Some of this old stuff that we watch, you know, mm-hmm. the scripts and and stuff. Because uh, eventually we plan on on writing a tequila based based novel, like yeah. a, like a no, telenovela, uh-huh, uh-huh. because the stories in the tequila industry, you can't make this stuff up, right. man. It's it's probably tense, dramatic, violent at times. Everything. Everything. Well, you look what's going on right now with Sean Penn and El Chapo. Oh Jesus! I just read about that. I mean, I knew about the interview, but I didn't realize there was fallout. Is that because he he smeared? El Chapo from a PR well, perspective. No, what what's happening is that the 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 actress who supposedly facilitated the meeting uh-huh. for Sean Penn to meet El Chapo uh-huh. is a famous Mexican actress who does lots of telenovelas. Right, she's done telenovelas based on on the narco uh-huh. system. Okay, and has this and apparently had some communication with El Chapo because okay. he was a big fan. Uh, okay. Kate okay. Del Castillo um, recently just just recently did a a uh, has d- done a TV show for Eva Longoria. Uh-huh. She guest starred there, and it's called Telenovela. Oh, okay. And Eva, it's a comedy, and it's wonderfully done, very well done. So Kate um, is bilingual, uh-huh. and she just did an episode like last week, a week and a half ago. It just aired. Okay. But Kate, when she facilitated okay. this meeting with El Chapo for Sean Penn. Um, we were. I was following her because I, I. My job is to locate new brands of tequila. That's what I do. Right, right. right. And her Instagram, her tequila, her her brand uh-huh. of tequila was running a campaign, and they were going to launch the same time as the article was released by Rolling oh, Stone. Oh no! Okay, I see. Okay, I see. It's called it's called Tequila Honor del Castillo. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I did some digging, did some digging, and went to the to the website. I found out that that the 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 gnome, the tequila distillery that she's using, mm-hmm. is the same one that David Suro uses for Siembra Azul, gnome fourteen no fourteen, okay. the Vivanco family and Asociados. That's scary, and I will tell well, you yeah, why. Yeah, why is that scary? Um, the rumor is, and I knew that this was going to happen because it it happened the first year that I lived in in Texas. Mm-hmm. The Justice Department, Department of Justice enacted the Kingpin Act or enforced it on several uh, families, several businesses that did business in the United States that were known to be companies that were owned by narcos. Oh, Because these companies are where the narcos launder their money. I see. Okay. Okay. So now there are articles coming out, did did Kate Del Castillo use El Chapo's money to launch her brand? Oh, Okay? Okay. 
Um, you know as well as I do that that right now the Jalisco, the Jalisco state, go for it. Uh, the state of Jalisco is where the majority of tequila is made, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of problems going on in Guadalajara. Every so often, you know, there are road blockades that the narcos burn up trucks and they stop traffic, and right. you know, and and here off and on there are problems in the highlands. Not very often, they tend to leave the industry and the people alone. But one particular brand coming out of one particular distillery, El Viejo Luis. Mm-hmm was uh, on that list that the Justice Department posted. So did they post this just uh, this week? Did they week? put out a press release. It's the public. The Justice Department did? Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. So anyway, you follow Kate Del Castillo in her website. She was launching, if you take a, and, and I'm for those conspiracy theorists out there are going to love this. When she was launching her brand, there were only specific countries she was going to launch it in. The first wave of, of, the, te- of the tequila launch was going to be in Latin America. Mexico, Nicaragua, mm. Honduras, Peru, s- parts of South America. And if you look at those countries, that's, that's, that's the cocaine trail. That's oh, the narco Jesus. trail, man. It doesn't take... It doesn't take anyone. Scientists to it doesn't that take out, a yeah. scientist. How come you skip Costa Rica? Why? Because Costa Rica doesn't have an army. You know why? Because the United States supports the country of Costa Rica, and that's where the DEA and all the FBI and all the all the drug enforcement agencies watch the the, the region. The watch the region. They yeah. they watch how how it travels wow. through that through that country. I know that my first trip to Mexico, when I walked among the blue agave and saw rows and rows of that blue, that's so blue against the red soil of Arandas mm-hmm. in Los Altos, and it hurts your eyes. It so almost vivid. burns your retina. You got to look at it through, a, through sunglasses. Yeah. And it's real. Those pictures are untouched. And when you go there and you, you get to touch the plant and smell it and taste it mm-hmm. and, and, and go through the whole process, I tell people, and and it's true. You come back a changed. It person. changed your life, yeah. Well, it how changes. can you take a trip? For me, it changed my whole perspective there you on go. mezcal. Yeah, easily. Yeah. And I had already been familiar with many of those steps, but seeing it, smelling it, being hot, being sweaty, eating, like yeah, all that, that's exactly. What gives it, that, that's what gives it life, really. Well, it and so Context. for me, you know, I had coffee all my life. You know, I love bananas. So what do we do? We go to a banana plantation, go to a coffee plantation. Man. The hard work, the labor intensive that it is to mm. to pick coffee. Or, or to pick bananas, is not done by Costa Ricans. Who's it done by? It's done by their migrant workers, which are usually Nicaraguans. Oh, uh, no kidding. Every country has its migrant worker. Sure. And, and I found it very sad. You know, I, I, our bus driver, our, our tour guide was a professional tour guide. You know, you can get the, the, the country of Costa Rica knows that tourism is one, it's the number one, um, uh, number one industry for their economy. Yeah. They know that, and so you can go to school to be a certified tourist, you know, a certified tour guide, yeah, yeah. and work for very distinguished companies. So our tour guide was excellent, and and the bus driver was amazing. Our tour, you know, the this was a luxury bus, yeah, and, yeah. And I, I, of course, I speak the language, so we were watching them haul these. They haul bunches of bananas on rails from the groves. I don't even know where these groves are. Mm-hmm. But when they come when they come around, they're being they're being pulled by one guy. 
Just a big what's a banana? A big bunches of bananas are tied up. Oh, okay. And and they're and they're run on rails. And, like a trolley and the, system, almost? like a trolley system. No kidding. And they're tied to one guy. It's like watching. It's like watching the the. It's like watching the the, the strongman con- competitions uh-huh. yeah, on ESPN yeah, yeah. where they're pulling a truck. Uh-huh. Same like same idea. Wow. Okay. And these guys are out there in the middle of the freaking jungle, right? Uh, working for Del Monte, mm-hmm. and Del Monte has its own airstrip too. So it's really wow. interesting to watch how they bring the bunches in. They cut them up. From the moment they're cut up fresh, they go from table to table to table. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't meet muster are thrown into a big truck, and they're made into baby food. Ah. Uh, some of them used for banana paper, and then the bunches that are made that are, that are perfect mm-hmm. are wrapped, weighed, stamped, and put on a plane and flown to wherever they're supposed to fly. Flown to Miami for yeah. all I for all I know. Wow, and and that's it how changes the whole perspective. Changes it? the whole perspective. So I I'm I'm talking to the bus driver, and I said to him, I said, wow, I says how many, I said everybody who works here they're all from Costa Rica, and he says, oh no, no no, he says the laborers are, are Nicaraguan, and I looked at him and I said, how can you tell? Oh well, because you can always tell the Nicaraguans because they have their their mouth they're they're all they're all wrapped in gold. What does he their, mean by that? their dental work is oh. is gold is is so. Uh, my aunt has done that. It's 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 a it was a a, a process. It was a given process because mm-hmm. in Nicaragua it's known that Central American gold is 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 one of the more sought after golds. Yeah, uh, if you've and I know this from my father who mm-hmm. used to work with precious metals. Right, right. Central American gold is is very very sturdy and very pliable, mm-hmm. and so because it's there and because it was a bunch of it. They use it for dental work. Oh, wow. Ellos tienen los dientes forrados en oro. So they have, them, they have their, their, their teeth, you know, they're, they're, they're done in gold. Yeah, wow. I said, wow. And, and that wasn't, you know, it was, he said it very matter-of-factly, but it was rather elitist. Was it? It hurt. Yeah. Because these are my people. These are, these are, these are this is where, where I come, come from. from. Yeah. And and this is this is their migrant worker, mm. you know. They're looked upon as labor, you know. Oh no, there's no Costa Ricans that would do hard labor like this. Wow. Oh no. I mean, it's an amazing parallel, striking parallel to the states. Thank you. You know, it's that's exact, but that's that's exactly it. Like when we won't turn this political because it's so easily turned into a political oh, I know. thing I know. about these people. Oh, no new immigrants. Blah blah. Bottom line is, we're elitist. Most of us. And we don't want to do the work. We want someone else to do the work. The exactly. Because I was working, I think I worked two part-times, maybe three part-time jobs. Yeah. Just to make ends meet, right? Sure. But I but I always made time for radio because I loved it. That was that was like the, my thing. Yeah. You know? And everybody that that tried out for that morning position, he didn't like. The station manager, the you know, the representative for Simmons Radio hated it. And then he I guess I was on the air during that time at uh-huh. the afternoon drive. Right. When he was listening to all these other audition tapes. And he said, well, what about this guy? Well, he doesn't want it. <laughs> so I was chosen by the, the station manager, general manager, vice president of Simmons Radio to yeah. try out. And I was hired as the morning disc jockey. Jeez, that's big, big experience. Well, yeah, right? I loved it. You know, and then I was. Why, it makes me wonder, though, why you wouldn't try it, put your, throw your hat. You know, because the, they, the, the, I'll tell you why. The, I had so many other part-time jobs that. That it it would it would ruin my flow, you know what I mean? Because yeah, because I, yeah. 
I liked I liked where it fit into my schedule. Right. But if they promised me a full time, then you then I no get rid of them. Yeah, no yeah. problem. So the reason they they made it attractive because they 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 pro- they had pro- part of the package was to be a, a full timer. Yeah. And now and then I would probably learn production. Sure. I would do more voiceover because I thought I was talented enough to do voiceover mm-hmm. in local commercials and and I I did some uh, after that. Right. But uh, it turned out that they gave me the, the morning job, but it they they rescinded. You know, they had to cut back again oh, on the full time position. So it, it always stayed as a part time for yeah. me. Which was okay. I'd I'd show up at six in the morning, six oh five. Um did my two and a half, three hours on the air live, mm-hmm. tape out my last hour, head for the gym, um, you know, work out for a couple hours and then go to my next job. In my career in radio was never, you know, it was never a promising thing. Yeah. Uh, eventually, the Simmons sold a block of radio stations. They fired everybody. They bring in their own people, yeah. or they or they centralize the voice. Right, right. And it comes from Southern California. So I came from the from the eighteen hundred Jose Cuervo school, and she came from the Patron school. Yeah. It was you know, it was the it's girly thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. You know, so one year. Um, she had friends who she was working with at, at her travel agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I still had friends in radio and we finally just, I somehow convinced her she was going to meet one of her friends from, from, uh, the, her work right. there. And I said, Oh great. So now we get to go. Right. So I was all jazzed. We get to go. It was a nice warm fall day. Yeah. And I run into a couple of friends from, from radio. No kidding. Okay. Yeah, and they were at the they were at the event as well. In fact, they were probably doing a remote, yeah, uh, a right, remote, right. you know, a remote cell mm-hmm. there. Um, and so you know, I, we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years, and we start talking. And then after after the event, we all went to um, uh, my friend's uh, apartment complex where they had a pool because mm-hmm. it was so hot that we had to yeah. just dip our our heads in the pool. And as we were talking. There were three of us. One was a general manager of, a, of one of the oldest hotels in, in, in Albuquerque. Uh-huh. It was historic. It was one of the first Hilton hotels, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Hilton grew up in, in southern New Mexico. I didn't know that. Baron Hilton. Hmm. He grew up in San Antonio, New Mexico, which was uh, part of my territory. Yeah, okay. Um, at, when I worked in the food business. So um, anyway, the three of us are gone, and, but we were all tequila drinkers, and, and the general manager uh, of this place was heavy into mezcals, mm-hmm. and we were all drinking the wrong shit. Yeah. He's drinking the mezcal with the wine and, and he get it, you know, in a plastic jug. Uh-huh. Remember those? Okay. And and it's it's only smooth because it's watered down a little bit and that's right. how they sell it to you. Um and so, you know, we're we were we had had a great time because we had a few glasses of wine at sure. that point. And we all looked at each other and we said, you know, gosh, I wish they would do something like this for tequila. Yeah. And then, like a, fa- a festival. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then we all looked at each other like at the same time. The light bulbs all the light went bulb off went everybody. off yeah. right and the the general manager the 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 my buddy in radio says well I'm still on radio and I I can do events yeah I said well I got some time on my hands I can do the footwork I can mm-hmm. do the research and the other guy says well I've got the venue oh perfect we need we need an event to bring people into our hotel this was before anything like a tequila show had ever been done right right um, a year to the day I we were pitching the the uh, one of the vice presidents of that location mm-hmm. of that hotel to we were pitching them our show yeah we pitched three different owners slash general managers uh-huh. before the third one said we'll do it 
gosh, what, they just kept kicking it back, or they just yeah, well, it, but everybody liked the idea, just but, invest in it. but no, but but these guys weren't getting paid right. by the owners, and so by the time they oh, came I around, they just left for another hotel, yeah. right? Uh, it turned yeah. out that my partner, my other partner, my radio buddy, his girlfriend at the time, who is now his wife, mm-hmm. um, and and what is now his present day brother in law, mm-hmm. worked for Southern Wine and Spirits. Oh no, kidding! So we had an in with Southern Wine. Southern Wine always had the largest portfolio of tequilas in the U.S. Yeah, they saw the beauty of this event because it had never been done before anywhere in the United States. L- you know, local pairing food pairings. Sure, and, that's that's and, all and common. But guys like Carlos Camarena would come across and and go from restaurant to restaurant, and that you know, and, and they they took a pitch from the Sousa family because that's what that's what all the Sousas would do. They would come and meet their accounts. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how they got tequila into the U.S. is to meet their accounts and meet the restaurants. And Jose Cuervo, I, I even wrote an article that Jose Cuervo did a great job of romancing. Uh, Mexican restaurant chains. Ah, okay. They did it. They've done it for fifty years, and that's why they're so entrenched in in a lot of big chains. So anyway, a year to the day, we st- we had our, our our first event, and we ran the event for three years. For uh, and, and once a year in New Mexico, yeah. yeah, once a year at the same hotel. It got tougher and tougher to do that event. Yeah, um, because the hotel, you know, because people enjoyed themselves. Our third year. We had them lined up around the block, really, of the hotel to get in. That's incredible. What's what a what is it? Tickets? Is it a badge? Ticket? Well, yeah. We we saw. I mean, everything was. You know, we were just the internet was just coming into its own. Yeah. We were still on. You know, we were still a, a dial up. Uh huh. Um, I was doing a lot of the internet work, uh, selling tickets online. We would shut down the website. I I would send confirmations. It was it was. It was lots, of, stuff, lots yeah. of work. In the fourth year, when I was, I was looking to... to I, I wanted, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take this event and do five years in New Mexico because mm-hmm. my thing was I wanted to make it as big an event for tourism. I sure. loved that state. And uh, at the time, they had what they call the, the, the International Balloon Fiesta. And I wanted my event to be similar, to be a big tourist attraction. And it got really, really close. And then our illustrious governor at the time, Governor Richardson, mm-hmm. um, put the kibosh on that. What, which aspect of it? Well, it the, was... Something the, to do with the alcohol? It, yeah, it had to do with the alcohol. Um, there is a, a law. It was, it was the interpretation of the sampling law mm-hmm. that, that ruined it. And, and what had happened was, he, here's how distribution works. At least it worked in, then. In New Mexico, you know, not the, the the there are venues that don't have enough staff to sample new. Let, let's say, for instance, this mezcal. Yeah. If this were if this were back in New Mexico, and and David Soro wanted to in, introduce Siembra Metal mezcal um, to the state, yeah. Then he would take it to let's say he take it to Southern Wine and Spirits. We mm-hmm. know he's not with them, but then so what'll happen is um, they want to introduce this this to all the major accounts, right? But there's not enough manpower. Southern Wine and Spirits doesn't have the manpower to do that. Right. David Suro would have to come in and do, and he could only see so many different accounts, sure. right? And the venue doesn't have enough manpower during a happy hour, you know, because you know how yeah, it is. Right, You're running right. around. You've been behind the bar. Yeah, you know sure. what it's like when you got three or four or five deep. Nobody's got time to sample something new that they want to introduce to the public. Right. So in that case, they subcontract that portion of the job. Mm-hmm. To the tequila girl, the tecate girl, the, right, the right. beer girl—you know—they're very popular for Budweiser. Do they always wear little 
to f- no close? They all, yeah. They did, right? Yeah, Patron was the first one to hire. Um, there's a, a book out called The Patron Way mm-hmm. that you can read the review on at tequilaaficionado.com. Their first tequila girl, the first Patron girl, was a call girl. Oh, uh, okay. So you have to read this history. There's a, there's a big history so there's behind it. something to that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something to that. I think it's archaic now. Sure. I mean, it's, it's outdated. It really is 70s and 90s and yeah. thinking. It's not like that anymore. But the, the, the sampling law in New Mexico states that in order for you to sample a new beverage, it has to be an employee of the venue. Okay. But that law had never really been enforced. I see. Okay, so technically... What, what Southern Wine would do is they would subcontract uh, uh, a company, a promotions company, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And they would th- their job was to show up between 5 and 7 during happy hour and promote Sembra Metal, yeah. okay? And, and, you know, they got paid either by the distributor. The distributor got money from, from the owner, from, let's say, David Searle. Right. And everybody gets paid. Ordinarily, the promotions companies are run by women. Yeah. The, you know, it's like... It's, it, typically, it's almost like a madam, uh-huh. and here are the girls, right? But they, but they are highly trained, and they know how to do it, and 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 yeah, they come with a uniform, you know. But but that's how it's done yeah. because the the staff there's there's just there's not enough manpower yeah, to get right, around, right, right. To, especially on a Friday or during the summertime when yeah. events are happening all over town. Mm-hmm. Well, overnight, Richardson and started to um, put the clamps down on the on the liquor industry, distribution industry. And he put women out of business. Why? And he put what because was his motive. Well, not not why. Well, I can see how he found the legal. Well, the yeah, there was a there. there uh, for those of you who may have lived in New Mexico or followed Richardson's career, um, there was a a terrible, terrible head-on collision uh, off one of the reservations the day after Christmas or on Christmas Eve, where you have um, a gentleman who had uh, imbibed a little too much. Um, and was driving on the wrong side of the highway in the middle of the night, and he obliterated a whole family. Oh, geez, okay. And Mad M A D D took that, at, you know, as an uh, opportunity. As an opportunity, it, yeah. and and they were one of Richardson's constituents. I see. Okay. So that was a platform for Richardson to to jump on. Right. And it was really interesting because after the fourth year of us doing it in downtown, I was told by Southern Wine by reps at the time that mm-hmm. said, "You need to get out of downtown. You need to move it." You need to yeah. get it away from where it's more alcohol friendly. Right. Like Santa Fe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because it's more touristy. Sure. Well, no, me and my stubbornness, no, 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 no. So I spent, you know, two or three years trying to find a venue that would take us on and we could use, they they would, you know, we would pay them somehow. Right, their, right, yeah. their Their people would be pouring. Everybody wanted the event. Nobody wanted to take the liability. I see. Instead of listening to everybody who wanted this kind of an event in Colorado and Pasadena, California, mm-hmm. in Dallas, I'd been asked to take it everywhere. But I, I wanted, you know, I, I really wanted something for the state of New Mexico. Yeah. And I couldn't. As I was doing these events, these, these, these shows, I wanted, I was looking for a venue to write about an article about my show. I wanted it to be publicized. Right. And in those days, you know, there weren't any PR firms that you could um, you could send your press release to yeah. you know th- they didn't exist but this guy out in southern california by the name of alex perez had a website called tequila aficionado uh, okay and i wrote him a quick email i said hey alex i said i i have a show in new mexico 
I'd like to write about it and maybe can I publish it on, on your, he said, sure, I need the, you know, I, I need the traffic, I need the, need the content, traffic, all I need the it, content. Right, yeah. You know, it was a hobby for him. He, he's got interviews with, with uh, Don Felipe, uh, Don Felipe Camarena, who mm-hmm. is, who was the, the, the godfather, the, the inventor of Don Felipe, the, El Tesoro de Don Felipe. Wow. His son, Carlos Camarena took yeah. over the, you know, he has interviews with, with, um, with the uh, the real Don Julio, Don Don. Wow, uh, yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he he was one of the first ones to start recording this because he saw the beauty of it. Sure. In, on his first trip to Mexico, he would let me write and without editing. So mm-hmm. I was my. And own. then your writing comes into it. Yeah, again, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So now I'm not writing fiction anymore. I'm writing about my show, mm-hmm. and I I get more serious about my craft and how to write. And and throughout the years, I've learned to write my own press release. And, yeah. And how you know and headlines and. One thing led to another. Um, I, I had uh, tequila had always been, you know, one of my things. And Alex and I, over the years, had developed what we call "sipping off the cuff." It's mm-hmm. our, it's our first. Initially, was an audio podcast. Right. Okay. I would be in New Mexico, and he would be in Southern California. We'd get together. He would record us, mm-hmm. and we would uh, do live tastings of tequilas that were sent to us, and it was our our reviews. Well, uh, tequila aficionado has been a big, big part of my life. Yeah, um, because I, uh, all my passions came into it. You know, speaking, well, it all, it all, yeah, it's so strange. Speaking, it all just came writing, yeah. lecturing, learning. You mm-hmm. know, because yeah, I, I guess I'm a kind of an eternal student. It's like um, the cruddy kid, right? Daniel's yeah. painting the fence. He's buffing the car. <laughs> wax on, wax, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And you're like, what does he learn? As the viewer of the movie. By the way, my website, this? my yeah. personal website uh-huh. is tequilasensei.com. Oh, there you go. See? That's exactly. I, yeah, I have people calling me sensei. And I, you know, I don't call myself that. It's yeah. like most people in this business who are considered tequila experts mm-hmm. or, or whatever, we don't call ourselves that. And we no. all know each other. Yeah, sure. You know, this is a, this is a real small, tight community. Yeah. Um, and, but we all kind of came through the ranks together mm-hmm. and tequila aficionado is a big part of my life. You know, when I couldn't express myself by, by giving something to the state of New Mexico and by, by, you know, teaching people right. and being written about and showing the beauty of this, 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 this juice, yeah. I had to find another outlet. I had to figure out a way. Well, you, it, that's what happens. You innovate when you have no other choice sometimes. I, I, I was sponsored on, um, I belong to an email list. We'd send out one question or whatever, and everybody who belonged to that email list would get that question and other people would answer. Right. Unbeknownst to me, people like um, Robert Denton, mm. who was the, the, the first importer of Chinaco uh-huh. and El Tesoro de Don Felipe, you know, he was, he, he was tequila at the time. You know, he was a member of this group and, and a lot of uh, collectors and, and guys like um, uh, the gentleman who's in, who, who's responsible for uh, the the graphic labels for Fortaleza and for oh, Uchote, cool. you know, all the Tim Carter, yeah, a, 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 who was another big collector. You know, all the big collectors were somebody. So it was the community. It was the it was the a community of the community. Exactly. Point, yeah. um, uh, Ian Chadwick, who eventually came up with his own website about tequila and developed. Uh, eventually got to the point where he had his own Blue Agave Forum. Uh-huh. The, and, and so we graduated so it from evolved the, from it that, follows the list, from that yeah. to the list, yeah. to the forum. And, and I just kind of, we just moved along and we learned from these guys, sure. you know, because some of the stuff was priceless, the information we were getting and inside stuff that we had, you know, really no business knowing. Yeah. Uh, and 
so that's how I, uh, out of the blue one day, out of the blue, well, this is, first of all, let me say that this is where um, my show on my first year, mm-hmm. I believe, um, where I heard from Ron Cooper, who was, who was Delma Gay. Right, right. He had just, I think, launched Delma Gay. He lives in Taos. Unbeknownst to me, he, he was from Taos. No kidding. My neighbor. He wrote me an email and said, I'm fully in support of you. He and he's known me for over ten years. Yeah, wow. After our third year, where we had them lined up around the block, and we were all at the bar, they had even put in portable bars mm-hmm. along with the regular bar uh, downstairs at at the hotel, and and we were exhausted. And Ron Cooper comes up to me and he goes, "Are you ready to do a two day event? Oh, jeez. One day you'll have Highlands tequilas. One day you'll have Lowlands tequilas." I said, "Hell no, <laughs> hell no." We had guys like Ron Cooper come and speak yeah we had um uh the guy who wrote uh, lance cutler mm-hmm. who had written one of the one of the classic books right after bob emmons he had lance cutler had a book out and and all these were were through our our distributor who, yeah. had, who had had contacts with these guys and they were public speaking this had never been done before right nobody had ever spoken to the public distribution isn't what it used to be yeah now i avoid distributors i i can't you know my relationship, I had a great relationship with Southern Wine and Spirits in New Mexico. Mm. It was its own entity. The gentleman that helped me out the most, I don't know what happened in his life, but between, you know, the, after the fourth year, he, he somehow committed suicide. Mm. And then the, the Arizona uh, uh, division took over the New Mexico division, and then the atmosphere changed. Changed. The culture changed. The yeah. culture changed. The distribution got to be a big, big powerhouse. Um, you know, and, and they're, they're, they became these behemoths yeah. and they solidified themselves, centralized themselves, and now have become, uh, the, the evil empire the evil and empire. it's us and them. Yeah. Okay, let's just say that the nose on this one is amazing. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And the, fl- you know, and, and really if it's a, if it's a, if they, whatever the line is that you, that you endorse, mm-hmm. whatever the line is that you really like. You know, whether it's Del Maguey, whether it's Oaxaca, whether it's Simbra Metal, um, or even of the newer ones that are coming up, um, really get get to know every line because the the plant that they're using really makes a difference. Some of these are medleys; they're combinations of several other plants together. Uh, some of these are are different. Um, Alcohol by volume. Some are clay. Some are copper. Right. You know, some are clay. Is, some are this copper. Is copper, though. Yeah. The the retro nasal on this is so so, um, it's not harsh. Mm-mm. Some tequilas even with a retro nasal, you'll you'll get a lot of um, alcohol. Yeah. But this, this is one, flavor. this one is just it's almost if you do retro nasal on it, and it's a technique where you you kind of clear your throat, and it's very similar to when uh, you burp a soda and it comes <laughs> up your nose. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but without without the harshness, um, it's a technique that it, it the retro nasal on this. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It smells good coming and going, man. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just wow, wow. This is just oh my god. Um, well, so, so so again to kind of like conclude it. What you guys took this program because you're you're doing sipping off the cuff and what you do well, the audio interviews right. and reviews of the tequila. It, but that made a different mm, jump. Like what exactly? Well, was here's the, here's what happened with 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 last tequila standing. Yeah. Um. Somewhere along the line, uh, while I was living in New Mexico, after you know, I've, yep. I've been in this business and doing, we've been doing sipping off the cuff for mm-hmm. several years, and we went from from audio to video. That's right. Yeah. Okay. 
So some of the earliest stuff, we were using video software that's branded by them. Mm. Now it's gotten to the point where we use Skype and we use our, you know, we've bought software. Right, right. And, and now you'll see us on a split screen. We have, uh, Lisa does our, our branding and our post-production. Mm-hmm. And it's just a couple of guys who, who have great chemistry and, and we know each other for so many years. And, and literally Alex just pops, breaks it open. You know, most of my bottles have been broken open when they get here, yeah. but I, we never share what it is that we're, we're going to, to taste. Right. Right. And, and so our reactions are just as natural and, and it may be even weeks and months before I go back to that tequila. So I have forgotten completely what it tastes like. Yeah. Well, what had happened was while I was living in New Mexico, um, toward the end of my second marriage, um, I was approached to write uh, an article by you to buy uh, people, um, a company called Media Planet that wrote uh, inserts for USA Today. Mm-hmm. So at first they were just going to interview me. And the more we talked, the more I realized that they're just going to hire some hack who's going to get it all wrong. Right. I said, why don't you just hire me? And, and one thing led to another. We wrote the insert. It became their most popular. It made them the most money ever. There was the first time they normally did stuff for the ph- pharmaceutical companies. Right, right, right. But they had never done anything with alcohol. This was their first foray into the alcohol business, mm-hmm. and they made money. Good. They tried doing it. Uh, this company tried doing it again with vodka, and it didn't. wasn't so successful. Sure. Uh, in the meantime, I, I was contacted by uh, a producer. Yeah. Who? TV producer. A TV producer. Yeah who had done several other projects like the uh, la- uh, 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 favorite pizza. Mm. Um, and I'd never seen any of his stuff. Like mostly like food centric stuff. Yeah. Food centric yeah. uh, uh, blogger, you know, blogging was very big at that time. Yeah. And so he had done a lot of that stuff. Uh, his real job was something else. I think he sold software mm-hmm. actually. Um, but anyway, he was, he contacted me and um, my name kept coming up. Yeah. Because I'd been in the business for so long, and everybody kept referring me to him. Mm-hmm. And um, so he contacted me. One thing led to another. Um, I um, he, They made me associate producer of the show. On this concept. So, this tell, concept. Me, yeah, so tell me what the concept So all last tequila standing, the way it was going to work is uh, it was going to be um, uh, uh, a, a contest where several brands would compete uh, for flavor, mm-hmm. uh, cocktails, and what the public thought. And um, we filmed it on several different occasions in Southern California. So they, they flew me out, uh, which was great because I'm from there. Get to right? go back. So yeah. I get to go back, get to be with mom and dad for you know, a, couple of, a couple of weeks, a couple mm-hmm. of days, whatever, and not have to really stay there. Yeah, yeah. Now I can you know, come back <laughs> Best to home. part, right. Right. Um, and, um, you know, and what they were going to do is they were going to sell it uh, to, they were going to sell the concept to either PBS or... Uh, uh, a network, yeah. you know, whether Spike TV, you know, whatever, however they were going to do it. And my job was to recruit the the tequila brands. Mm-hmm. And because I knew so many tequila brand owners and so many brands, I, I had a working list of about 117 tequilas. Wow. And we got uh, 23, I think, 23 mm-hmm. tequilas to come on board. And they uh, they paid a, pers- a, a certain amount to to uh, to st- and and I recruited the the um, the judges. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and again, I knew people in the industry, so mm-hmm. our our judges became uh, Chris Zaris, who was uh, who who was the designer of Tequila Rack, mm-hmm. which is the first in home uh, tequila tasting kit. Mm-hmm. 
that uh, I think is ahead of its time. The other gentleman is uh, uh, Clayton Check, and Clayton now runs one of the most successful uh, tequila and mezcal tour companies. Interesting. Ever. Um, very educated guys, very serious. And it was it a weekly? It was this intended well, to be a you know, weekly? We, we would, the, what it, the way it was going to work was going to be weekly. But, yeah. you know, wh- when, you, when you film these, you, you fly everybody else in. They take a whole day or a whole weekend right. to film. And a they're bunch. different brand Just owners, a whole stuff. bunch of guys all at once. And then we were going to, you know, cut it up and, and each individual show. And, and there's a winner each show, right? R- r- kind of. More or less. Yeah, kind of. Well, what had happened was the, 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 the producers, the executive producers, had a hard time selling this they had a couple of deals that were going to work uh, for uh, on pay television mm-hmm. that fell through. They wanted to secure markets uh, where there were a high uh, Hispanic, um, um, uh, high Hispanic right. market right, right. demographic. Demographic. Um, they they could never secure things, hmm. and it, it was frustrating for me because I really, really, you know, they their it's hearts a cool were project. right their hearts were in the right place cuz what they said to me they said all the right things that's why i got involved they said to me look you get them you bring them here and and let them tell their stories tell them to bring their stories mm-hmm. and that's what i was all you know what tequila aficionado has always been about was, yeah people's stories people's stories just like what you're about right, right now so so what ended up happening? So he tries to sell it. The, the concept it, just doesn't get it. Just, it just doesn't fly. Okay. It doesn't fly. So where is it at now? Well, here's what happened. Uh, between that point and Mike coming, moving to, to, to Texas, mm-hmm. um, we meet up. I meet up uh, online with uh, we, we, uh, Lisa Peach, who's mm-hmm. our COO now, reaches out to me. And she's a tequila nut. Mm-hmm. You know, but... She noticed that you know we we were we were LinkedIn you know she found us on LinkedIn and she found us on Facebook and you know we were I was doing as much social media as I could but it yeah. hadn't become a science like like it is now for some marketing people right right Lisa on the other hand had studied it and had grown with it and was using it to market her books so she's a self-published author mm-hmm. had supported herself. Using using different techniques on social media, and always searching out more, right. and doing it for other authors as well, for other authors who 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 were self published, mm-hmm. and one thing led to another. Um, she came up with a proposal for for Tequila Aficionado that had been laying dormant for a long. You know, it would it would come and go in spurts. We'd yeah. go dormant. We had a website built for us that was horrifically horrendous to use. Um, she, but, so was she redesigning it for you? Yeah, she she made us an offer. She redesigned it, moved it over to a much uh, user friendly um, format right. platform, and for a percentage of the company. Sure. And since it was a percentage of not a whole lot of anything, we said sure. Not a bad deal. Yeah. Not a bad deal. And she was willing to work for that percentage, um, because of the two hour time difference mm-hmm. um, uh, between between then and now. Um, my father sadly passed away. Mm-hmm. So from New Mexico, I moved to uh, Southern California to, to be with mom for a year. And, and that's where Alex and I did our Sipping Off the Cuffs live together yeah. Yeah, in yeah, one yeah. room. Finally. You know, we did it. We did a whole season of that. And um, when, when Lisa reached out, she was in Texas. And that two-hour time difference is, is rough. I, I 
tend to keep really long late night hours. Mm. You know, it's not uncommon for me to go to bed at three. Yeah. You know, but she's a she's a morning person. You know, so three o'clock is is five o'clock her time. Yeah. And she's up, so we would communicate a lot of stuff of what we were doing for Tequila Aficionado on the phone. We had restructured the company, uh, made me from executive editor to CEO. Alex is our founder, and she's our COO. Mm-hmm. So we she completely took Tequila Aficionado to where it is now. Uh, December of 2015, we averaged 10,000 hits from 138 different countries. And tequila now is so popular. And, and, and our viewers come from Canada, from Mexico, yeah. from the United States, from Australia, New Zealand, Japan. It's so cool. Yeah, it's really, really great. Yeah, and that's all through her efforts. And is that she's, why you moved to... So did you move to Texas I to moved to Texas the process to, easier? To, yeah, because... A lot of a lot of tequila brands, like I, like I mentioned way earlier uh, in this interview, uh, a lot of people live in Texas, mm-hmm. and they don't live in New Mexico. You know, right. I, the, in the three years that I've been here, I've been busier than in the eighteen years I lived in New Mexico. Yeah, sadly, sad to say. No, but Texas is a very it's a bunch of nuts for mezcal, a bunch of nuts for oh. tequila. You know. And guys then, like you who are well, you know whatever the hell yeah doing, you know yeah. guys I would come uh, Texas so tall come yeah. on. You know, so tall hasn't even been discovered yet, like it should be. Right. You yeah, know, it's and, gonna take and, a couple of years. At but least, you're you know. you're already on top of it. You well, know, you're trying to innovate. You know, we go back to the, the when you innovate when you're backed against the wall. You know, and you do things to save your business, you do things to save your creative vision on things. You know, so ultimately though, this is good timing because you just wrapped up San Antonio Cocktail Conference this weekend. Yes. Yes. You feeling um, all right? <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. You know, because all I did was talk. I mean, okay. uh, you know, I. I uh, stepped in for a brand, um, uh, Embajador Tequila, which has been uh, was nominated one of our brands of promise. We got to be very close with them. Mm-hmm. The quality is amazing. It's an amazing tequila, and so separate and apart from Tequila Aficionado, I um, I consult, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the brand owner, who is also a family member, was going to be in a wedding because normally he would do these sure, events. Sure, sure. And he and I have worked events last year together. Uh, and and they have asked me to to be their hired gun. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. I'm the hired mouth because I'm not licensed to pour, so I don't want to do that. Right, they just have share the message. Share the message, and I I had some of the best conversations, um, you know, and that comes from from a lot of my my speaking where I I, I did trade shows. I yeah. did trade shows when I worked for Brinks. I also worked uh, the last job, the last real job I actually had was I, I worked for a remodeling company in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I worked a lot of home shows where you're dealing with the, own, and, you know, home, the end consumer. Right. And so I, I'm used to working to be with the public. I, I like that. And I don't get a, a chance to do it very often with tequila mm-hmm. uh, unless I'm doing a, a food pairing or a tasting or something or, or you know, um, uh, staff training. Right. So to be with the public is a dream for me. I love my job. Mm-hmm. I love writing about it that's all i do now is i write about tequila all i do is i talk about it i i i I'd love to be more involved with the distribution channels the smaller houses yeah. the big guys don't need you right they right. don't need me and uh, you know they 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 hire people for that stuff um but they're and, gonna they're gonna they're gonna lose market reach soon enough and there's lots of brands coming in and it's going to be a changing industry I, it already I, is. yeah right now there was a big consolidation with glaciers and southern wine and spirits yeah uh i know that bacardi dropped uh republic national to move over that mm-hmm. happened right before 
the the you know it's not a mis- it's not a, 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 a an accident that that the, the Bacardi moved from from Southern Wine is from Republic National directly to Southern Wine, and then Southern Wine announces their merger right, with right. Glaciers. Okay, that's Maybe not an accident. That yeah. was all planned. I'm sure. All right, we know that. Um, it, it, and it really makes sense. At this point, Republic National in their portfolio has a big, a few big holes. Yeah. Uh, lots of big holes, and maybe some people are losing their jobs, sadly. Okay. Yeah. But you know what? That's distribution. That's what happens. It happened to me in radio. It's happening now in distribution. Right. So the saving, for me, the saving grace of, of, of the distribution channels, the three-tier system, which to me is archaic. Mm-hmm. It needs to go away, but that'll never go away because the government, that's where everybody right, gets a right. piece of the, the action. Um, but the saving grace of that three-tier system is guys like you, the small batch distiller, mm-hmm. wherever they come from, and, and the small houses that, that think that they that, that believe that they can give attention to better wines, right. better beverages, better beers, they're going to be the, the they're the saving grace of that t- three tier system. Mm-hmm. All right, right now craft beer is in its heyday. Yep. If you're making craft beer right now, congratulations! It's finally a worthy opponent to the big guys. Yeah, all of this stuff, and is. they know that. Yeah, they and do. they're buying up little brands now, aren't they? Everybody yeah. is backpedaling. Sure. Everybody from they Diageo, don't know what to do. yeah, from Southern Wine and Spirits, I believe has a, a, a new division called the Craft Spirits Division. Right. And I put craft in quotes because I'll tell you what craft is. Craft is the, the word. The, 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 is a word. And I have an article on Tequila Aficionado mm. that I wrote. It's a three-part article called Craft. What the fuck does that mean? Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's lots of ways that these guys are backpedaling. I'm looking at craft Crafts. right here. The mezcal, the siembra metal, the, you know, even from batch to batch, it's not about consistency. That's the beautiful part about the, the small batch distiller. Mm-hmm. Yes, they want to be consistent. Yes, the quality is always going to be there. But that's what Fortaleza does so beautifully is that every batch is going to be different because they're still using the stone wheel. They're still using the, the, the primary material, which is the agave. Yeah. The process is the same, but it's like a vintage Okay. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're really, they've really promoted the vintage. I think Tequila Ocho does the same they thing. Do, yeah. Um, you know, where they're using, where this bottling comes from this estate and that bottling comes from that estate. And I think um, there's a few other ones that, that are, are doing, uh, uh, doing something similar. Yeah. And, and really showing people that, that it's good to have variety. It's good to be to be to be brand loyal, but be brand loyal because you're going to get a surprise with every batch. Right, and, and, it comes and back. even even Cuervo Reserva de la Familia, every year they're they're not only are their bottles and their boxes you know a, a big collector's thing mm-hmm. these days, but every batch is going to be different. And I think you know there are people that say when I got my first one and my first bottle was what 1996, that 96 batch. Is so sought after. Well, what did we know? I didn't know. I drank it all. Yeah. You know, but it's, but you know, there are certain batches that will be better than others. People that follow Fortaleza, they look, they seek different batch numbers because they know, you know, they're, they're like the geeks and the nerds and the, and the, the, the fanboys. Right. Right. right? The fangirls too. Women, women need to be not overlooked. 
women are, you know, we know, and, and, and everybody who does marketing knows that women are now, they're 80% of the buying, they're, first of all, 80% of the population. Right. And they do 70% or the majority of the buying decisions of a family come from women. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that, that I loved, I love speaking to women because they get the mechanics. Even when I was a health instructor, when, when I had a woman come to me who wanted instruction, they wanted to know why. They were into the mechanics. Mm. They wanted to make sure their form was good. They didn't want to lift heavy weight you know, and, and watch their form go bad. Right. It was all about form and function, form and function. And, and, it, and it's, it's true with, with, with craft anything. The guys who are in the craft business, whether it's beer or, or you're making your own gin or your own bourbon or whiskey or whatever, it's form and function, form and function. It's all about why, how come. And women love that. You know, the skinny thing, mm-hmm. that was a trend. It was okay. Um, but, you know, when we found out that skinny girl was using mixto tequila, how did that make you feel? Yeah. Were, were you, do you even know what mixto is? Yeah. You know? Right, right. And so I, I, I love speaking to women because they get the form and function. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't believe me, go to the next liquor store. Oh, and, no, and, and listen to a guy on the phone going, honey, what was the name of that wine that you wanted? You know, he's not going to make that decision. Yeah. He's calling his wife because right. he's got to make the missus happy. Which is good. So all of it's good. It's good to know that the industry is changing. I think we're in a point where things are really going, the landscape's going to completely change. Yeah. And you working with the smaller producers is going to give you a lot more opportunity. Of course, we go back to craft. So many different themes to this, this conversation, so many different kind of crossroads, but the the bottom line is that you don't ever know why something is meaningful at the moment, but it all sums together and accumulates as you get older, you know, yep. it takes you on this big, long journey. So Mike, thanks so much for sipping the Cupriata with me, man. And these are wonderful. I, I love these cups. These, I, I hope I didn't talk your ear off. No, I hope no, it's I, good, you know. man. It's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure seeing, seeing the dogs and letting her <laughs> out and seeing the cats and everything and sharing the, the mezcal with you. It's been a, an amazing journey and I, I hope that everything keeps going in the way that you want it to well you know uh mike first of all thanks for 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 taking the the initiative to come all the way sure, out here absolutely I, you know i know it's a it's a long drive i i love what you're doing you know um it, it almost takes me back to when we first started with tequila aficionado because that's how alex started and mm-hmm. it was about it's about recording stories and i know that i probably jumped everywhere and really didn't finish tell you telling you everything i think it's all there you know i think that the points the meaning is well just to just to finish up with last tequila standing um we we uh, obtained the rights from the executive producers to run uh uh the rough the 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 rough footage so what uh so you can actually binge watch all of it see because there oh, was some cool. before binge watching sure, now everybody sure, binge sure. watches but you can get it at uh, tequila you can get it tequilafishnado.com um, you can see who we spoke to. We have some some beautiful instructional stuff mm-hmm. in both English and Spanish. Some wonderful characters. Cool. Um, it was part of our um, it w- it was part of our 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 season our, our season last year that that helped us get to where we are now. Cool. We can we we hope to grow even further. Uh, visit us like I say at tequilafishnado.com. You can find us all over on on social every media as well. Every yeah. social media platform. You can follow us on Pinterest, Instagram you know, our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube. Yeah. You know, just, if you're not into reading any of my articles, I try to make my articles as instructional as possible. It could be a little boring for some people. Uh, but you got videos. I lo- yeah, I got video. You can see Mike yeah. talking to yeah, us about, about his Texas Atoll. An amazing uh, 
humbling moment to see myself. So anyway, man, thank you so much for your support and continue to do what you do. It's been a great chat, Mike. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Well, there we have it. The I think like a modern legend, you know, in a way. And a lot of people don't know he's kind of like this unsung hero of spreading the love of agave spirits, whether it be at Mescal, Soto, or of course, tequila. We talk a bit about David Suro. I am really excited to share that interview as well with you this week. But it's just, he's he's like a fan of tequila. He really loves it. You know, he has embraced every aspect of it. He's traveled to it. He's read about it. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of inspiring to get someone that's so academically driven and so passionate about his spirit. I, I know Mezcal and tequila and agave just in general really, really inspires people. And perhaps that's why the market and those segments keep growing. But there's something very special about the experiences Mike has had. And it really was a pleasure getting to share that with him. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter what kind of sipping utensil you're considering for your next agave treat or which Kurt Russell movie you plan on watching again today, please keep dancing.